Hello and welcome to this third part in a series that we're calling Growing, but which is running in parallel with an LICC series called Growing on the Frontline. This is part three and we'll be looking at a passage in Luke in just a moment. Uh, I'd encourage those of you who have access to a book or to the videos that run with the LICC series to keep an eye on those, to engage with those. Uh, this is a kind of a counterpart. Um, so let's crack on in prayer and then we'll have a look at this passage. Lord Jesus, help us to see ourselves as you see us. Help us to value ourselves the way that you value us. Help us to look for an understanding of ourselves that matches your understanding of us. And help us to pursue the Jesus way of living. Amen. Okay, so this time round we're looking at a passage from Luke 10. I'm going to be reading it from the New Living Translation. It's the uh, story, parable of the Good Samaritan. But we're going to start uh, in Luke 10 at verse 25. It says this. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind. And love your neighbour as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, with a story. A Jewish man was travelling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance a priest came along but when he saw the man lying there he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there but he also passed by. On the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man he felt compassion for him. Going over to him the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him take care of this man. If his bills run higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbour to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. The themes of our two previous sessions have been about growing on the front line, growing the place where we're at the coalface, that place of interaction with others, those who do, but particularly those who don't know Jesus yet. So the first one looked at what it means to be fruitful, and the second one looked at the way our choices affect our fruitfulness. What we choose can have an impact on how fruitful we are for Jesus in our day-to-day -day context. This particular part is looking at a slightly different question. It's asking, 
How do our desires have an impact on our choices? So we want to be fruitful. We want to recognise that our choices have an impact on our fruitfulness, but we also now want to look at how our desires influence those choices. Now you think it might not be obvious why we're looking at this passage, the story of the Good Samaritan. Really, it's an opportunity to look at somebody who made choices on the front line and what their desires might have been. Now, at this point, I'm just going to dip very briefly into an idea of what we're talking about by desires here. We have desires in our psychology, in our subconscious, in our conscious mind. And desires are there to help us get the things that we need to get hold of things that we require for day-to-day -day life, whether they be physical things or things about the people around us. They may well be social things as well as practical things. Our desires shape what we pursue and why we pursue it. My own experience of poor mental health uh, particularly a couple of years ago when I was quite unwell with it. My experience of that meant that I had to look at what my desires were. What were the subconscious as well as the conscious things that made me behave and react in the ways that I did? Understanding those, understanding myself, really helped me to be more healthy. Now part of what we're looking at with this passage is the desires of the people involved. So Jesus tells this story to a man who wants to test and then justify. He wants to test Jesus and justify himself. When Jesus tells this story, it is a parable. It's not a historical account. It's a story that Jesus tells um, like a fable that's been constructed in order to put a point across. And he inserts three particular characters who respond to the man who's been beaten up by bandits. The road that he refers to, he chooses on purpose because that road, and he talks about going down from Jerusalem to Jericho because Jerusalem is quite high, it's in kind of more hilly, mountainous area, and Jericho is much lower, pretty much at sea level. So he talks about going down that road through the mountains in an area where bandits did operate and were known to operate, and they had a particular pattern that they worked to. So what they would do is they'd attack one person and leave them on the road and then when others came and helped them they'd attack those who helped as a way of stalling somebody getting them to stop so they were an easier target so jesus uses a real life situation that his audience would be familiar with and he asks them to look at the way different people respond ultimately what he wants his uh, his questioner to understand is who his neighbour is, because it's not just anyone who happens to be nearby you, it's not anyone who happens to share the same physical community as you, it's anyone who is in need and you support. But he does this explaining, this illustration, by drawing on these three characters. Now a priest was a uh, would have come from the tribe of the Levites. 
there are 12 tribes of Israel, almost all of them have tribal lands given to them. But the tribe of Levi doesn't. So Levites are supported financially by the wider community. They don't have land to work. They are provided for by others, historically at least. And a priest is a subset of the Levi clan. So you don't get priests from non-Levite families, but you've paid plenty of Levites who aren't priests. Both of them are held as special. They have a special role to play. Moses and his brother Aaron were from the tribe of Levi. So there is a way in which that tribe is seen as special and set apart. So these are especially close to God people in the community, uh, in, in the Jewish community, more widely. Their response to the man beaten up is crucial to Jesus' teaching point. And for us, we're looking at what their desires, what their motivations, what their background uh, intentions might have been for why they didn't stop and help. And then we look at the Samaritan and we look at why he did stop and help. There's uh, an American pastor called Peter Scazzaro. He's written a really helpful book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Actually, there's a whole bunch of books he's written about being emotionally healthy for leaders and for discipleship and for churches as well as for individuals. And one of the things that he explores in that is his own realisation that if he didn't understand his desires and where they came from, he could live in a very unhealthy way, particularly in terms of how he responded to the life that Jesus offers him. He discovered that it could be very difficult to live in Jesus' way when your mind is cluttered with a lot of unhealthy emotional bits and pieces. Why do I bring that up? Because this passage and this study from LICC wants us to investigate exactly the same kind of thing. What are our desires? Now let's go back to the text. Let's have a little look again at Luke 10. A Jewish man was travelling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Now perhaps you might feel it's a little bit unfair to judge the motivations of fictional characters, and I see where you're coming from. But I imagine that Jesus quite deliberately told the story the way he did. And he invites his audience to ask, why didn't those people stop and help? And so as we read it 2000 years later, as disciples ourselves looking to be apprentices to Jesus, we need to ask ourselves the same question. Why didn't those people, fictional though they may be, why didn't they stop? Was it fear? 
Was it uncertainty? Was it busyness? Was it a feeling of being too important? There are lots of reasons and perhaps it might be helpful to put yourself in that story and say if you were the Levite, you were the Levite, or if you were the priest, what would you do and why would you do it? Now I've been hearing this story since I was a fairly small child so I know if you like what the correct answer is. I know what I ought to do because I'm very familiar with how Jesus told the story but that isn't the thing we're looking for today. What we're looking for is why do we behave the way we do? What motivates us to take the courses of action that we take? What are our underlying assumptions about the world? In what ways are we naturally jealous or cynical? In what ways are we naturally generous uh, and choose to believe the best of others? In what ways is our perspective on life completely turned sideways by things that have happened to us in our past? In the material LICC provides in the videos, there are accounts, stories from real people about this kind of challenge. And although we haven't done a detailed exegesis into Luke 10, 25 to 37, still think that this kind of study is very important. The kind of thing where we look at what scripture says and what Jesus told us and use it as an opportunity to reflect on ourselves and understand ourselves. After all, Jesus understands us brilliantly, often better than we understand ourselves. And so we need his help to see ourselves for who we are and to challenge the things that might need to change. Let's go on. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bills run higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, Jesus is good enough to tell us that the Samaritan feels compassionate. But what other motivations are there? What other desires are in that Samaritan's mind and heart that means he makes the choices that he makes? And again, put yourself in the story, just as you did with the priest and the temple assistant, the Levite. In the same situation, what would you do? But importantly, why would you do it? And it may be, in fact, it seems to me quite likely that there's going to be a mix of desires there, not all of which line up tidily with each other. Some of them will be conflicting with each other. What I think is really important for each of us individually is that we think honestly about what we are like what our desires are, we reflect on them, and then we're honest about them. Finally, I'd like to draw on something else that the folks at LICC bring to our attention in this session. 
and that's this. Think about a choice that you've made recently in your own life, on your own front line. Share with the group what desire or desires you think lay beneath that choice. And as ever, sharing openly with people around you can be challenging. Plenty of us feel a bit uncomfortable doing it. But if we're going to be the body of Christ, those who walk together in Jesus' name, those who have promised to disciple each other, when we haven't got to bear our deepest soul, it's going to be good for us to be honest about who we are. And I'd encourage you to do that. To think about choices that you make day by day or ones that you've made recently and ask yourself what desire motivated that choice. And perhaps how might I involve Jesus in that desire? Let's pray. Lord, we want to be people who look like you, but not just on the outside. We want to be people who look like you deep in our heart and soul. And we are honest enough to recognise that there are bits of who we are deep down that we'd rather avoid or that we don't understand. And so we pray for your Holy Spirit to move powerfully within us. That we might become more like the people you made us to be. Amen. Okay, three quick questions. Uh, not because I think we need them. I think actually the session there gives us plenty of food for thought, but just it, it, um, it's a pattern that we have and I think it's good that we maintain with them. So if you want to ignore these questions, please do. But we'll ask them just in case you'd find it helpful to delve into them. So question one, who would be the Samaritan in your life? It could be different for different people. Who are the people who are most untouchable, out of reach? The outsider, that kind of thing. Who's the Samaritan in your life? Question two. In what ways do you know you have sometimes been like the priest, walking by? And why might that be? Much like last time, our third question is going to be substituted for a challenge. I'm going to invite you to read back over that passage. It's Luke 10, 25 to 37. And I'm actually going to encourage you to read back over it in your own time. Um, but to do so slowly and to do so three times. You don't have to go back to the top immediately that you finished it. It might be that you want to give yourself a couple of minutes between. And it's certainly a good idea to write down the things that strike you from it. But read it through slowly three times. Spend a bit of time with it and ask the Holy Spirit to show you something from that passage that he wants you to notice. OK, that's it from me for this time been great to spend a bit of time in this passage and to look a little bit at ourselves and I look forward to seeing you again soon and looking at the next part. God bless and take care.